Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. Kardashian and Kanye West are officially divorced, and that's our topic on Warrior Women Speak. There's a lot of divorce. I practiced before I took the bench, divorce law about 20 years. And I can tell you years ago, it was about 50% of all marriages ended up in divorce. Now it's about 60%. And about 90% of those are because of a third party in the relationship. Wow. And when people fight over their assets, fight in front of the children, it's a problem. And first and foremost, divorce is really the loss of a significant relationship and can be one of the most challenging situations you ever face other than, other than death, which is, I think, the number one stressor. But divorce is a death of sorts. And I know that in reading about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, uh, he has said some things that she says are not true about the children and him not being able to see the children. She's taken her name back, which she has a right to. A woman never loses her name. And that I think is part of her taking her power and her life back. So I think that's important. And for him and for anybody out there who says, you know, I'm not able to see my children, you have a constitutionally protected right to see your children. And the courts, except in extreme circumstances, make sure that both parents see the children. It's up to the parents to see the children. So fighting like that, especially publicly, does not help, especially knowing that our children know more about electronics than we do. And those children can find those tweets and those articles. And how damaging is that? And really, divorce escalates uh, bad behaviors of people and a lot of bad feelings about yourself. And I think it's important, Cherry, that you put some perspective on that. And really divorce, I've been there, I'm divorced. Um, people suffer symptoms of illness. People suffer from depression, anxiety, people struggle with trust. When you're, when you're talking about the Kim Kardashian thing, the thing that's striking to me and that I think about a lot when I talk to adults whose parents got divorced when they were children, and that's part of why they see me, I think to myself, when the mom or dad tries to take control or custody of the children, take them all to themselves, they do they realize how much they're hurting their children? I, I as a therapist, I can understand intellectually why people would want to do that because they're trying to take control. They're angry at their partner, but the children suffer. The children are not getting the divorce. The parents are. So I think it's such a great topic to talk about. And I'm excited to talk to you today because I think you're going to help people understand 
how to go about going through a divorce in a way that will protect them and their children. It's really about what's in the best interest of the child, not the parents. And for those people who say, you know, I want an advantage in front of the judge. Well, judges are going to look at, are you able to facilitate a positive relationship between the child and the other parent? Now I can't speak for all judges, but I know for myself, uh, that is something that I look at as very heavily weighted factor in the best interests uh, factors that every state has when analyzing who should be the custodial parent and who should be the visiting parent, so to speak. And bottom line is you need to love your children more than you hate the other parent. And the fact is, and you'll hear it from judges across the nation, that you chose that person to be with, you chose that person to sleep with, you chose that person to have a child with, and now you need to choose to parent separately since the two of you have also chosen to split. You need to figure out how to manage with your feelings of anger that you're feeling towards your partner. Because I think a lot of times what happens is you've got two people, they're both so riled up in their feelings. It's almost like they become the children in the family. I've seen this where I'll talk to people who are going through a divorce. I'm thinking of one person right now, um, a, a guy that I was working with and the mom did everything and anything she could to get her kids to hate him, to not see him, to, to shame him. And sometimes when we would sit in the office and he would read me text messages or things that she was writing to her lawyer or presenting in court, court in the courtroom or in, in depositions, I think at times my mouth was probably wide open because I'm thinking you sound younger than your teenage children, the way you're describing this person that you had these children with and shame on you. So as a therapist, I feel like it's important to try to help people and acknowledge you're going to have a ton of feelings. You may hate your partner. You may Maybe your partner, like you said, there's a lot of infidelity. Maybe your partner cheated on you. The challenge is how do you separate? How do you separate your feelings about the person you're divorcing and not get that tangled up into the custody hearings and the moving forward in terms of keeping the family intact, even if you're no longer staying married? So as a judge, I'm wondering, what do you do when you're sitting in front of a couple who are basically regressing and going at it like they are children on a playground having a fight how do you how do you handle that well one of the things that i would do is family counseling because there is a specialty where uh therapists can do not just family counseling but divorce or separation counseling which is really important so the children are not in the middle of it and they can do counseling with everybody intact. And so the kids can talk about their feelings and the parents can, and everybody can talk. And then there can be separate uh, individual treatment and counseling sessions so that the family remains intact and the children, they're not going to come out of it unscathed. They're always going to feel some bad feelings, I think, about a divorce. But as long as they have the support of the parents and the love, and they know that they can go to either parent and not be grilled and not be punished for wanting to go see the other parent, not be punished for 
saying something or wanting during parenting time to call the other parent. If there can be some mutual respect, understanding and working together, the children do really, really well. But when parents fight, when they put the children in the middle, then, you know, judges may have to have a grandparent have custody and the parents have supervised parenting time because things get so bad because that verbal abuse, even if they're not physically abusing the children, it is still verbal abuse and causes such trauma in children that they may never recover and they may be affected their whole life. And it may be then brought into their own relationships when they're adults, right? I was just going to say that. So I'm thinking about this young couple that I'm, that I'm, wor- I'm working with the woman in the relationship and they're in their twenties. My client has parents who are still together and she's been modeled what I guess you would say is a healthy, loving marriage. The person that she's dating, her boyfriend comes from a family where there was infidelity on both sides, both mom and dad, and lots of splitting, lots of him having to decide which side to choose. So what's happening in this relationship for my client is that this young guy is so afraid of marriage and so afraid of commitment. And sometimes because he wasn't taught what a healthy relationship looks like or what a healthy divorce looks like, he says and does things to my client that his mom and dad did to each other. So it's not working. It's one of those things where in order for them to be able to stay together, and I talk to my client about this a lot, she has to say to her boyfriend, you've got to work on this. You've got to go talk to somebody and figure out what you're bringing into our relationship because he tells her how much the divorce affects him and the infidelity, but he's all, he doesn't realize that he's taking a lot of those undigested feelings out onto her. He doesn't see that. She sees that because she's talking to me and I'm able to say back to her, this is what I think is happening. And I'm trying to help her set limits with him because she doesn't deserve to be treated like that. But this is the thing when you are going through a divorce and you've got young kids or teenagers, there's so much you can teach them even through the process of separation. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not just messing up your own life, but you're sort of inadvertently messing up the possibility that your children are going to have healthy marriages. Well, even if the children are adults, they can't believe that the family is splitting and they shouldn't be dragged into it either. Just because you say, oh, well, they're 18 or they're 20 or they're 30, however old they are, they're still your kids. And they still want to know that this is okay. And that somehow they didn't cause this because children bury their feelings, but they also carry the burden of, was this my fault? Should I have seen this? Should I have helped? Should I have done something? And they shouldn't should themselves, but they also shouldn't carry that burden. And so what we need to do is keep them out of it and just reinforce that they're still loved. They're still a family unit and the parents, you know, my ex and I Mm -hmm. sat together at my daughter's wedding. I didn't want to, and he was dating someone else at the time. Um, Then my daughter said to us, I want you to sit together in church. And neither one of us liked it. 
but we, but we both did it as we did throughout our divorced life when the children were young and now into adulthood for the children, we have come together when needed and smiled about it. Now I'm sure he's wanted to yell at me and I certainly have wanted to yell at him, but we've made our peace. And only once we really made our peace, were we able to fully engage and enjoy whatever event we are at together and feel more like a family, even though there's that divorce paper. So carrying that burden of bad feelings is something that just tears you up inside and you have to let it go. And you certainly cannot put it on your children's shoulders, no matter how old they are or young. And if you do, if you do not talk to your kids and you don't reassure them a gazillion times, this is not your fault. If you don't come together with your partner and be the bigger person, like you're describing with your daughter's wedding, then I end up seeing them in my office because those wounds or the, the damage that that causes, even again, when children become adults, it's, it's something that is very difficult to work through. And I think that's something to think about when you're going through something like this, when you're going through a divorce, you figure out where and how to express, like you're saying with your ex, I'm sure it took, I would imagine it took you a very long time, the both of you to, to come to terms with and be at peace with who, who you are in each other's lives and find a way to still connect. That's not something you can do overnight, but the benefits that that leaves for your children, whether they're 10 or 50, it doesn't matter how old they are. It's a, it's a gift that you're giving to them. And it's also in some ways it's a gift for you because so one of the things that I struggle with, I've not been married and I am a parent. So I'm a parent and I don't have a partner. And I think about this a lot. I think to myself, how, if, if I were to have Andrew with somebody else and we got divorced, how can you hate that person? You've made this, you've made this child together. I don't understand. I mean, I understand it on a, again, an intellectual level, but I don't really understand that how you cannot make a space to still be friends or still, even if, even if your ex was a total asshole, you still, I mean, people sometimes are assholes and I'm not saying that they should be forgiven for all their mistakes. That's not what I mean, but how can you not separate out the beautiful miracle of life that you've created as a couple? I don't understand right. that. Because it's a, you know what it is, it's a power struggle and it's a turf war. And sadly, the turf is the children. The most important asset that any couple has, whether they're married or living together, whatever their relationship is, it doesn't matter. The most important asset they have is their children. And you cannot divide a child. You can divide a bank account. Mm -hmm. You can divide the towels in the cupboard. You can divide the furniture and dishes. And in a divorce, everything gets divided, including the frequent flyer miles, right? Wow. But with a child, you can't divide the child. So the court has to say, here's the parenting schedule. And then it's up to you to be the best parent you can during that time. But it becomes a turf war and people lose sight that those little human beings at any age, it could be a 30 year old, those human beings that you created feel deep inside the loss that you are also suffering. That divorce is the death of a marriage. Those children who are part of that relationship 
the splitting of the relationship, the divorce, they are feeling that death as well. There's questions about who's going to sit together at the wedding, who's going to pay for the wedding, who's going to have Christmas dinner. Where are we going to go? Where's the family going to vacation? Can we ever have any together time again? And, you know, those questions, some of them will be resolved and some not, but you have to, I think, reassure the child that it'll all be worked out and that you will listen to their needs Mm -hmm. because the children get sort of cut out of divorce. We don't really listen to them. We don't say, what do you want? How do you see this happening? How can we help you? We just tell them this is what's happening and this is what you will do. And I think about with the children, when you talk about all the conflict between the two people, when that happens, that image that I think of is that feeling torn. I talk to so many people, so many clients who have described when they talk to me about their stories and their back history, they talk a lot about feeling like I had to choose which parent I was going to love. And then I had to accept that the other parent wouldn't love me anymore as a result of that. That's heartbreaking. What, how would, should, I mean, again, like that is so inappropriate and awful to have to inadvertently, because I don't think people do it on purpose. I think when people are angry and hurt, they don't see their actions and how they're affecting others, including their children. But that is something that I talk to people about. And one of the things that I'm thinking is if you're one of those people who feels like you have to pick a parent, this is an opportunity to actually set some limits with your parents and let them know you are not willing or able to take a side on this. That is that you want to have a relationship with both of your parents. And that if you feel like your parents are doing that, especially if you're older, you can call them out on it. You can say, knock it off. Stop putting me in a position where I should have to be made to feel like I've got to choose. That's not okay. Right. Your children are not detectives. They should not have to report back to you on who dad's dating or who mom's dating or whether they're cooking or not, or whether, you know, they have food in their fridge. If they don't have food in their fridge, did you pay your child support? I mean, there are other issues that really are important that are not the child's responsibility. So a child shouldn't have to worry that they're not going to have clothing or food or the necessities of life. Get the child support paid. Don't complain that, oh, he or she's getting all this money for child support. Child support's for the necessities of life. Nobody gets rich on child support. And in terms of division of property, it's 50-50. No one's getting poor or rich on divorce. It's a marriage is an undivided whole. And so you divide everything 50, 50. Sometimes there's fault and can be a little bit more or less, but there has to be something, you know, cheating is just one element. So if there's cheating, well, if money was spent on a third party, you, you get the money back, but cheating is not usually, if it's just one factor, it's not usually going to tip the scale. So someone's getting 25 and someone's getting 75%. There has to be a whole lot more that's gone on there. And alimony is meant to equalize the parties. So nobody's getting rich or poor on alimony either. All of those falsehood uh, statements need to go away. And what we need to focus on is having a divorce or separation that is amicable, that does not cause the children or you to have PTSD. Now, I have done some reading and you can tell me about this, but 
my understanding is that PTSD overall is trauma and stressors related um, to disorders that result from threatened death situations, like when you're in combat or domestic violence, where you receive serious injury, you've been in an accident, domestic violence, sexual violence, it doesn't really matter what kind of um, trauma, it has to be so serious that you really thought you were going to die or, or you have serious injury. Even witnessing a traumatic event, I think can cause PTSD. So I understand, I think, um, my layman's understanding is that PTSD, a diagnosis of it requires something life-threatening or threatening to bodily integrity. And that divorce alone will not cause PTSD, but divorce has a lot of times sexual assault in it. There's marital rape, there's domestic violence, whether it's verbal or physical. And so if you've got the combination, uh, you also can pass that on to your kids because they feel threatened. So there may or may not be PTSD out of a divorce. Am I right, right or wrong or what? You're absolutely right. The, here's the, here's the thing. Divorce itself is not what causes PTSD. It's the reaction on both parties, their reaction to the divorce. That's what can cause PTSD. When I talk to people who describe hearing their parents going at it, hearing them screaming and throwing things at each other and cursing and threatening that's what ultimately will lead somebody down towards developing something like PTSD. I think what can be very common for people is when they're, when, when children are living in a chaotic or turbulent environment where the parents are starting to talk about splitting, when they're, when they're subject to all those words back and forth between the parents when they see that their parents are starting to threaten to go away somehow that those are those are the types of experiences that will leave people feeling symptoms of PTSD which is more about feeling unsafe feeling distrusting feeling like the environment that was my home base my stability is no longer something that I, I can rely on. So I think um, it's important for people to think about when they're not containing their anger towards each other and when they're not thinking about the other people in the home that are going to be affected by their situation, that's when there's going to be a problem. So even for people who don't develop PTSD, I've worked with many clients who they don't describe having PTSD, but they describe feeling so uncertain and insecure and unable to trust that they're going to pick the right person that some of them end up not getting into relationships. Or I've met some clients who, who attract to people that mimic the marriage that they saw in their family. And of course, like you're saying, some of that involves abuse, domestic violence. Some of it is just more about living with somebody that they don't feel connected to or safe with. So there's so many different degrees and um, the outcome, the outcome can be very specific to the situation, but what's most important is I just, I know I'm saying, I'm saying this again, because I think it's important. It's not the divorce itself that causes children to have PTSD. It's the way the partners, the parents deal with their feelings about 
the divorce and the child custody and the, like you're talking about the assets, that's what can lead to PTSD. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the child's assets, um, people need to understand they are the child's assets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oftentimes when I was in practice and did uh, divorces, if there were a couple of children, you know, maybe the boys things went with dad and the girls things went with mom. And then we bought uh, the parents bought new things for the other one in the house, or they just split the child's uh, bedroom. You know, one got the bed and the other one kept the dresser. So they had something from each uh, in each household for themselves. And then they had clothes at each house. I have had people fight over the children's toys and clothing and how many diapers were in the diaper bag. Honestly, why are you paying an attorney for that? Those are things that first of all, affect the children. And second, uh, why go that low? I mean, you know, if the diaper bag has three diapers in it, make sure there's three diapers when you return it, because on the way home, there might need to be a change. If there's a favorite blanket, that should go back and forth and it should be washed and clean. If the child's socks have holes in them, then buy new socks, but they shouldn't have holes every single time. I used to have clients who would send the kids over in holy socks every single time and in holy t-shirt. So the other parent would have to on the spot buy the child something that puts the child in the middle and the child knows what's going on. You can say, oh, they don't know it four and five. Oh yes, they do. They pick up on patterns. And the other thing I want to, I think you can address is, um, you know, the divorce experience. I think people need to do an analysis of themselves, just sit down quietly and figure out, you know, what am I experiencing? Because your child may very well be mirroring the same kinds of problems like being overly negative, having overly negative thoughts or about themselves or the world around them, not feeling safe, having exaggerated self-blame, you know, oh, that's my fault. Oh, I'm not, I'm clumsy. Oh, I'm, you know, this or that bad thing, right. That everybody has said to themselves, but they overly do that. Um, Decreased interest in activities, like doesn't want to go to sports games anymore. Doesn't want to leave your side. There's that fear factor there, or you may not want to leave the house. You may not want to engage with friends. And if you're doing that, you know, your children want to stay with you and and they go into protection mode, just like you're doing. If you think that you are being irrational or aggressive, you sort of say to yourself, oh my gosh, that's not me, or that's not my child. You know, look at what the divorce is doing, being paranoid um, that you're being followed. Maybe you are being followed, but maybe you needed to get a personal protection order or no contact order. I don't know. But, you know, look, is this real or is this a paranoia? Because now I'm not feeling safe. Um, Are there risky behaviors? I've seen a lot of couples who they were blindsided by the divorce. They turned to drinking, um, drugging going to bars and hanging out late and doing things that they would never do as the responsible parent. But now they just, their world has been flipped upside down. So they're doing risky behaviors. They can't concentrate at work. Sometimes they lose their jobs. They have difficulty sleeping. And when you have difficulty sleeping, you can't think properly. And these are all signs that, you know, your children may be experiencing the same thing and you need to get a trained trauma therapist because that's trauma to the body right? And the mind. Yeah. I think what you're describing now is what goes on for the people in the marriage as they're coming to terms with what has happened. I think when you said about that self-reflection or about this is the time to do the inventory, when you're going through that experience, that 
uh, you know, I'm one that will reframe sometimes. And I think maybe something, instead of there being so much anger and hostility, maybe what you can say to each other, to your partner that you're divorcing, this is an opportunity for us to grow. This is an opportunity, even if we're not going to be together anymore, this is an opportunity for both of us to have a better relationship with somebody else. Maybe we're just not compatible. Maybe we outgrew each other. I mean, there's so many things that cause divorce. And I think if you're willing to take a closer look at yourself in that experience, that's actually going to help you and your children. Unfortunately, in most cases, that's not what you and I see because we see people again, reacting to whatever is causing the problem in the marriage. That's what we see. We see people reacting to their anger, to their resentment to their feelings of, of trust and, and not knowing how to separate that out from being parents to the children. And you really can't rush through the healing part of divorce. You have to get through it in your own time. And you need to ignore the people who say, just get over it, move on with your life. It's just not Mm -hmm. that easy. And also I think that trauma changes the chemistry in the body. So we end up with all those stress hormones, the the adrenaline and the cortisol and your blood pressure increases. And you really need to take good care of yourself. And I think, and you can talk about this because I, you know, I see it. I don't know that the psychology behind it, but I think divorce is also one of those situations where because of what's going on, this trauma, you can end up in the flight, fight or freeze reaction that is built into your brain. And that's built into our brains to survive. But I think in divorce, we end up in survival mode, don't we? And some people, yep. And some people get stuck in the flight or fight. They get stuck in that because that's a defense mechanism. When you stay stuck in the flight or fight mode, you're not working towards acceptance, grieving, healing. And most of us, we don't want to have to feel sad. We don't want to have to go through the grieving process, but it it, it really is necessary. It's necessary for all people involved, the children, the people involved in the divorce. You know, one of the things I'm thinking, even when you, you were saying, you don't just get over something like this. This is where it's like a death, like that first birthday, that first Christmas, that first holiday after the divorce through that first year can be very difficult because the Christmases, the spring breaks, the birthdays that you knew are no longer gonna be the same. So you have to make space to acknowledge that and maybe think about how can we start a new, how do we build on a new tradition or how do we make the holiday fun for our kids even if we're not gonna be together anymore? Well, let's, let's look at like Christmas Eve and Christmas day. Fortunately with, in my life, we celebrate Christmas Eve and my ex-husband celebrates Christmas day. So uh, we never had that fight, but I know a lot of families do, but it is difficult to not have children with you Christmas Eve and Christmas day. But you know what? There's so many people around you who, for example, don't celebrate, you know, one day or the other. Um, and you could start a new tradition to have, you know, all your girlfriends or all your divorced friends or whatever, and have a special gift giving or dinner or, you know, night out, or, or you can start new traditions where you actually 
gain something from it as well. A stronger bond of friend of friends who can support you and you can support each other because with 60% of all marriages ending up in divorce, look around you, look to the right, look to the left. Those are your divorced friends. You're, you're what are they doing? You know, what are they doing on the holidays right. when they don't have their kids? You know, maybe you can do a girl's vacation or a boy's golf outing or whatever it is, but we need to make sure that we're thinking clearly and we are not letting it eat us because then we tend to get in more of the depressive mode and we need to think of mindfulness and lots of things um, in a positive way. And I just want to address, so when your spouse yells at you or whoever, if, if it's a separation um, and they want to talk about things in a yelling way, first of all, you know, you need to have some things that you write down in your back pocket. Like when you can talk to me with respect, please call back, but I'm not talking to you today. Yep. And, you know, put that card on a post-it in your mirror. So you practice how to say it. And one that I always told my clients was have your attorney talk to mine because that way it's a, comes from a position of strength because usually in a marriage, there's somebody who's been beaten down and it's really tough for them to say that they're always going to answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. Just text them back and say, have your attorney talk to mine. Um, if you want to save a lot of money and you think you can work with uh, your soon to be ex, you can also go through the mediation process because that is a process where a mediator We'll meet with you together and look at all of your assets and debts and all of that. They can also look at custody parenting time and the judge ultimately has to approve that, but um, you can present a proposal. So either represent yourself or even with counsel, you show up at mediation and the mediator is a neutral party. They will talk to you and tell you the ground rules and maybe even talk about some of your assets together. And then they'll put you in separate rooms and move between the two rooms and see where each of you are. And then hopefully come to an agreement on the various items. And by the time you leave several hours, sometimes it can take a few days, sometimes a few hours. But when you leave, if there's an agreement to all of the parts that there's an agreement, it will be in writing and everybody will have signed. That is a contract. You can take that then and put it in a divorce judgment and present it to the court. Anything you can't decide on or disagree on, then the judge will make that determination. But it is a process that most divorces end up being resolved through mediation or a collaborative divorce, it can be called. And it's less stressful. Litigation is very expensive. It's very stressful. Mm -hmm. And then you know what you can once the property is divided, because you start at from the date of marriage to the date of separation or divorce is 5050, unless it's a prenuptial agreement, and you go by that, and um, you can focus on the children and make them a top priority instead of fighting over this stuff and instead of having that turf war that we talked about over your kids. Use the time positively. I mean, that's really the sort of the message of, of, of what we're talking about. If, if you decide to go the mediation route, which is what you're explaining to people, mm -hmm. That does, it alleviates a lot of the stress and it frees up more time to support your children, but also it helps you to take better care of yourself. Like what, what you're saying is over there's 60% of the population has, or is going through a divorce. So you're certainly not alone rather than spending hours and years and weeks in a courtroom fighting over things that are 
superficial or not really important, you, if you decide to do things more amicably, that's such a hard word to say, but if you decide to do things amicably, then all that time can be focused on how do we help our kids and how do I help myself? Talking to other people who've been through it, making sure you're not alone on that holiday when your kid is with the other partner. These are starting, like you said, new traditions. This is how we take losses and we don't let them put us under. Because for many people, the idea of loss, the idea of saying goodbye, that's one of the reasons why I think divorce is so painful. People struggle with letting go, but sometimes in the end, it's in letting go that you're actually making space for you and the person you had these children with to have a better life. And that's great for your kids to see that. That's amazing. And you have to forgive yourself and your ex, and you have to learn to trust yourself uh, you can make a positive list and affirmations. I have lots of them. If you looked in my bedroom mirror, you'd wonder how I put my makeup on at all. Cause I have all these affirmations, things I want to do, uh, things I need to get better at uh, affirmations. Cause there's not a whole lot of people around me who say, Oh, that was great. Um, so I tell myself, cause I know, you, you know, you got to follow your gut. If you think something was great, you don't need to ask people just know it was great. You need to rebuild yourself because no one can rebuild yourself. Like you can, it is your life. And if you need help with that, you need to go to therapy to deal with your anger and anxiety. You might need EMDR therapy or other kinds of therapy. You might temporarily need some anxiety medication or medication to sleep. And hopefully that's short-lived, but there are things that trained um, therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists can help you with. And I think uh, practicing deep breathing, there are apps now, you know, when I got divorced, there was no such thing as a uh, cell phone, you know, uh, and so there's some calming. Actually, I think there's one called Calm. Yep. Um, that's an app. And my daughter, who has some anxiety from the bus accident, she found some that has um, some rain and some other things. So she will use her cell phone, which I told her she can't have at night. But now she says, "Look, mom, here are these apps, and they help me sleep. And it's just done wonders for her through her trauma. And of course, there's yoga and focusing on the future. You know, I think there's something to visualization and I have never done it. I've never done this um, board. You know, they have the, the board of where you want to be and where you can oh, visualize the, vis the vision, um, board. the vision boards. Yeah. I've never done it. I've seen it on television and thought, well, that looks like a lot of time, but you know what, if you have the time and that's something that would work for you, it's kind of really no different than me putting the post-it notes on the mirror. That's sort of my vision board. And I've got, I'm right there in the center of it. So you could do that on a board if that helps you. Um, but you know what, always know that you're not a failure and you know, you are the only way you're a failure is if you stop trying and every time you try, you succeed, even if it's a failure, because that trying is the success. It's not the end result we're looking at. It's the ability to keep trying. That's what we do as human beings. And I can tell you, I have failed a lot, but I get myself up. And I say, yeah, well, tomorrow's another day and you're going to do better. And I think we have to have that can do attitude rather than a can don't attitude. Yes. I and, that. <laughs> <Can>. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, th these are things like I'm telling all my secrets, but I, ha I have a lot of self-care. You know, I, I started gardening over um, COVID and I always killed all my plants. Well, now I've learned I can grow some parsley and some basil and I'm going to grow some more and I make, you know, my own pesto and things now that are just tremendous that 
in years past, I would kill. And now I can actually grow something. So I took my COVID frustration out on the, the mud and actually grew something. And I think that's really a lesson for life. Take your anxiety, plant it and grow something beautiful. I mean, that's the metaphor in everything that we talked about today. The metaphor is about when we go through something that's traumatic or devastating or filled with loss, anger, mistrust, distrust, hurt. If we, if we choose to stay in those feelings and just act on those feelings, we stay stuck in the unhappiness. If we decide I'm going to take my frustration, I'm going to take my anger and my sadness and my pain, and I'm going to reinvent myself, or I'm going to connect more with other people, or I'm going to learn things about myself they're going to help me in my life moving forward. And the whole time you're saying all this, all I keep thinking is your kids will benefit so much when they see that you are doing what you can to empower yourself and reinvent yourself into a stronger, a stronger person than you were when you had the kids. It's, it's the best thing you can do for your children. Well, when you're talking about, you know, being stuck, I, I'm thinking in my head, I always have these strange pictures when you and I talk. I'm thinking about super glue and the antidote to that super glue when you're when you're super gluing yourself to the grief, anger, pain is to be your own superhero and unstick yourself by finding joy because joy is the answer. It's the antidote to the super glue of the that you feel to the grief. So when you find joy, you unstick yourself from all that unhappiness and grief, and you can rebuild yourself into whoever you want to be. And that is the joyful thing. Your ex-partner is going to say, wow, did I miss out on something? Heck yeah. And that is going to feel so good. And maybe you'll also be empowering your ex-partner to better himself or herself as a result of some of the choices that you're making. And again, your kids are going to see every every single part of that process, they're going to watch that unfold and they're going to be able to use that in their own lives. When you were saying at the beginning about how divorce is like a death, here's where it's not. We're not dead. We're not dead. The family unit is, is, is dead. The idea of this is my family. These are my parents. There's, there's feelings of loss and that can be permanent, but we're still all here. We're still living. We still have the ability to have great lives and make choices that work for us. So that's important to recognize. There's a difference between feeling like, feeling like it's a death and it's an actual death. Yes, it feels like a death. It feels like a death for all parties involved, but everybody's still here. The interesting thing about that is that probably 90% of all my clients, and I've heard this even now, um, with friends and other people I know who are getting divorced is I wish he or she would have died because death would be easier. Well, it's not easier because mm -hmm. there's no death is so final that, you know, you, you have to get over things sort of one-sided and there's a lot of questions. And when there's a divorce, I think you have some control over figuring things out and making sure your kids are stable and they haven't suffered that loss. So that's really a positive, but you do have to get over the issue of you don't feel worthwhile. Or why did they leave me? And when that other person 
says, I want a divorce or you're worth nothing, or you didn't do this for me. You know, you just need to smile and say, that's your opinion. I know what I did. I am a great human being. And yeah, I didn't answer your call because I don't have to. You don't want to partner with me. I'm not going to partner with you and your bad behavior. You don't control me. And taking back your control one tiny step at a time is really, really important because I think people lose themselves in, in divorce. And with death, you know, yeah, it's easier on some fronts, but you also can't confront and move forward the same way you can with divorce. Right. There's no closure. So you're left to have to pick up all the pieces without the other person. And that can actually in the long run be more harmful and cause more pain than when you choose to work through the loss and recognize that you can move beyond it and continue to live a great life. So I know that we're just about done for today, but I'm going to ask you, cause you've been through this, you've been, you've gone through a divorce. I haven't, um, what, what, um, what would be the, how I'm trying to think of how to ask you this, but what's the best thing that came out of a really lousy situation. When you think about your divorce and where you are now, what's the biggest gift that you got from that? I was allowed to be me. In my divorce, I ended up being overtaken and suddenly, you know, we went to counseling and I fortunately had a very good counselor who asked us each to draw a picture. And my picture was two circles that intersected. And I said, this is him, this is me. And where we intersect, that is for the family, for the children. And we need to be able to make decisions together about those things, but we still get to make our own decisions about our careers and other things we want as human beings, and then bring that into that intersection. My ex-husband drew a circle, a big circle with me as a little circle inside. And the therapist said, those two are so different. They will not work. You should have talked about this before you got married, because what he wanted to do is to be my leader. And the biggest thing that I gained was my voice. I regained, I should say, my voice, my independence, who I wanted to be, how I wanted to act in the world and in my life, how I wanted to spend my money and my time, how I wanted to raise the children when I had them. And we have some really great kids and we get along better now. I think age has mellowed both of us, but it's kind of like a weed in the garden. When the weed overtakes the garden, the plant can't survive. And that was what was happening to me. So eradicating the weed allowed us both to bloom in different um, sections of the yard. So maybe what I would say to all of the listeners, all of our listeners, as we're getting ready to say goodbye for today is listen to what Judge Aquilina said. Even if you're feeling like some of what we're talking about in terms of divorce feels intolerable or unmanageable, especially the process. Listen to the theme about this is an opportunity for you to find your voice and come into your own in a way that maybe you you hadn't been able to before. And ultimately that's going to make you have a better life and you're going to accomplish the things that maybe you've been unable to accomplish because you're going to be more your own person with a voice that people will actually listen to. And just know that divorce is about the best interests of the children, not the parents. 
So if you have children, put them above any fighting or above any property and love them more than you dislike the other party. I can't say that enough. And if you don't have any children, try to heal the best you can by getting out cleanly and quickly and promoting yourself and not degrading the other person. Because when you degrade the other person, you're also going down to their level. And I don't think that helps you heal, does it? No, it does not. And I think to be able to reach out to other people who are going through it and know that what you're feeling is not crazy. You're not the only one that feels that way. Talk to people who were divorced five or 10 years ago so that they can reassure you that this is how you might feel now, but you're not always going to feel this way and keep, keep forging ahead and moving forward. And just always be the best you can be. And we're going to see you next week. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.